Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Uh, today I have Rachel Moore. She's a psychotherapist at Rachel Moore Counseling. And before we got on the mic, I guess she wasn't fully aware and maybe some of our listeners aren't fully aware but we do these uh, episodes now live uh post covid and everything like that so we're doing through stream so you can watch us if you're listening to the um the audio aspect of this but this is live this is try to be as real as possible and allow people to uh, get a full understanding of the people we have on here the lucky, lucky people like uh, rachel that we're lucky enough to have on here so thank you rachel for being on here Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I'm really looking forward to chatting. This is exciting. Uh, so with with your background, I mean, well, I necessarily your background, but you're a psychotherapist, but focuses mm -hmm. on creative people yeah. that have dealt with some sort of trauma in, in the past. Is that kind of a quick synopsis? Yeah, I think so. Um, I kind of, as we were talking about before, I do think that everybody, you know, has some sort of particular challenges that they've faced in their life. Um, you know, you could say everybody has trauma. We use the term like big T trauma and little T trauma, capital T and small T trauma. You know, I mean, as I was saying earlier before we recorded or before we were on too, like just being a human being uh, <laughs> tends to involve some uh, traumatic experiences. Um, and so that's kind of, it's it's almost like I see my, my business as two separate things. Um, I'm dealing with trauma in the work that I do. And then the people I primarily serve are creative people because that's sort of how I identify and see myself. And I feel like I have an understanding of that type of mind. Um, I don't know if I can describe or define <laughs> that type yeah. of mind, to be totally honest with you, because I'm kind of in it. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, those are kind of, it's kind of like I, I, I help people who are creative and we oftentimes uh, do focus on trauma in the past that either might be affecting their creativity now as adults, might be affecting their relationships, might be affecting their work or just, you know, all aspects of their life. Yeah. You, so you said the idea of uh, big T and little T. So yeah. I'm thinking some sure. sort of spectrum and yeah. like what kind of quantifies, I guess, little T compared to big T. Sure. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is that it really all is dependent upon the individual experience as well. So it's kind of hard to have like a, you know, like, oh, these are the ones we consider big T traumas and these are the little ones. There is a question that I do ask though, uh, when we're doing the type of therapy that I do, which we can talk about more later if you want to EMDR. I just ask, you know, okay, uh, zero to 10, how, how disturbing is this memory to you now? We have one foot in the past, one foot in the present, right? You're not totally back in the memory because that's not what we want. You're not totally in the present because we want to think about the memory. Okay, when you think about the memory, how disturbing is it zero to 10? They may say one or two, they may say nine or 10, they may say something in the middle. So it really is kind of up to the individual what is a big trauma and what isn't. I mean, if we're to talk generally, you know, I think what people mostly think of is a big trauma might be like an earthquake or a car crash or a divorce or something like that. Interestingly though, even when those big things happen, what really matters is, as far as trauma goes, oftentimes is what happens after that. Like if you're a child and something really big and confusing happens, do you have people explaining it to you afterward and uh, reflecting your feelings and um, you know being compassionate towards you? 
that can affect how your brain uh, processes and codes that experience. So, um, yeah. So the same situation yeah. that happens to one person, the next person can be a, a big T or a small T based off of how you take it. Great. Yeah. Beautiful. And and sort of based off, yeah, the, the own, your own temperament, the person's temperament, as well as what happens in the situation after the trauma. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What now? When I think of like a, a, a like a therapist, right? And you you and especially how they're portrayed on movies and TV shows. Sit there, tell me more. Oh, about yeah. that. Tell me more about that. <laughs> that doesn't seem, at least from the outside looking in, a creative person talking there. How does a person like yourself, that's very creative as mm -hmm. seeing and very I mean musical, I guess, um, mm -hmm. uh, brought up, get into this kind of field? That's a great question. I'm not sure I know what the answer is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that so I think some of the skills of being a creative person do help. I mean, for example, another thing I'm involved with right now is improv. And I'm actually in an improv class uh, for specifically for therapists. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And I think that improv skills are really helpful for being a therapist. So, right, like the basic of improv is like saying yes and. And so yeah. that means, you know, the yes part to me is listening, right? Like, oh, yes, okay. And, you know, what else? Not like, yes, but blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not sitting here giving advice, right? I'm not like, well, I'm the expert. And that's like, to me, that's, that's not creative in a way, to be honest with you, is to say like, well, I'm the expert and here's how you do it. Like, that's kind of static, you know, that's not really. Creative is like, I don't, I don't know what my clients are gonna come in with, you know, every day. Um, I may have an idea about, and, and we do have a treatment plan for EMDR and everything. I may have an idea about where we're going, but I don't know what's going to happen. So it's kind of like this today, right? It's like, I know you asked me before we met if you wanted to talk beforehand or just just uh, wing it. And I was like, yeah, let's wing it, right? Because I think that's where a lot of the energy can be. And um, um, I will say too, this may sound like a little separate thing. The, the, the most healing part of therapy is the relationship. Yeah. So if I can have a good relationship with somebody where I'm sort of, again, using those skills of creativity as in being open, um, being interested, being curious, right? Well, we think of that like with creative people, like you have to have those things, right? To be a creative person, to make something, create something. And so if I can bring those skills into a relationship with somebody therapeutically, um, that can be really helpful. Yeah, so I don't know. I've never really thought about it that way. I actually really appreciate the question. Well, with, and I, and I guess like a, a therapist could almost be a coach, right? It could be defined as a coach because you're helping them sure. get from a situation now to another situation in the future or whoever they want to be, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's important. I think just, just uh, it's important to point out that there are very different uh, rules around the, both of those jobs. If we're going to use those terms, you know, yeah. I think that, that certainly the techniques of each can go back and forth in certain ways. Yeah. Um, coaches aren't regulated. Anybody can call themselves a coach, yeah. which is fine. No, I was a coach for yeah. a while. I was a creativity coach when I was in school to be a therapist yeah. and it was, you know, it was cool. Um, uh, therapists have a lot more like rules and regulations, stuff like that. As far as the actual process, like, yeah, I think you can say that there are skills that go back and forth for sure. Well, the, the reason why I was trying to almost bring it to like a, a I guess, a basic understanding for anyone listening right now mm -hmm. is it seems like the, I guess, the, the therapist or the coach, there's different ways of helping someone get mm -hmm. to the point where it's you're basically almost regurgitating what they're saying in a different light and other ones that are more involved, I guess, in trying to help them 
move, move along. Is that kind of question? And I'm not sure. Tell me a little bit more. Tell me a little yeah, bit more yeah, about yeah. what you're asking. So, I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've had different coaches in uh -huh. sports or in yeah. business and things like that, where some of them almost, okay, well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about mm -hmm. that. Tell me more about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. other ones that want to actually find out what you're saying and then be creative with mm -hmm. finding a solution to your problem. Does that make sense? Right. I think so. And, yeah. and it with, with your background and seeing the unique people that you're working with, mm -hmm. is it, how are you allowing them to get from point A to point Z and, and getting through the trauma? Is it almost, sure, sure. Yeah. Actually with, with EMDR, which stands for eye movement deprocessing and excuse me, <laughs> we're live, right? Eye movement yeah. <laughs> desensitization and reprocessing. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Totally awkward term. <laughs> we really, in the therapy field, we need to come up with like snappier, like, you know, more marketing type of things. We don't. Um, so there's actually a, pro a whole process. There's an, there's okay. an eight phase sort of like, Oh, you know, well. process system, if you will. So yeah, it's, it would take them through that. Now with with anything, and this is part of why I like it, I think with anything creative, with, with uh, anything you're doing in therapy, you have the structure and within that structure is kind of where you can, you know, kind of be okay. creative, do things differently. I love, there's, there's one part of what we do um, where if the person is stuck, for example, like let's say they're stuck, you know, that zero to, to 10 question, how disturbing is it? And like, let's say they're stuck at seven or six or something like that, right? Then that's where we get to be creative, right? Okay. So, sometimes, like, <laughs> this is going to sound a little wild, maybe, but sometimes I even ask, like, okay, there might be a younger part of you. Because here's another wild idea, is that there are younger parts of us that get a little stuck and kind of still act like children. <laughs> huh. And, yeah, and I'll say, like, there might be a younger part of you that's keeping you stuck. Um, like, uh, you know, for example, just... Uh, you know, no, this can't, we can't resolve this because I have to hold on to this memory. Right? A younger kid would say that, right? Like, I have to hold on to this memory to be safe, or I have to hold on this to this memory to, to honor somebody, you know, maybe a grandparent or something, you know, if there's something traumatic happened. And so the adult, you know, wouldn't this part wouldn't necessarily, um, I think that way, but there's this younger part that gets in the way. So we do this whole <laughs> exercise on working with that younger part and talking to it and asking it like, okay, what do you need? Um, what are you feeling? Um, and then the adult part will talk to the younger part and maybe give some advice. I know it probably sounds <laughs> really wild um, and it's very, very effective in my experience. So huh. I have to make the decision in that moment when somebody's stuck, like, okay, what do we do now, right? And that I think is where the training and the creativity comes in because the training gives you the tools. The creativity is like, okay, which one would be the most appropriate here and how do I how do I use it with this client, right? How do you, so how do you understand that the person that's stuck is the younger self and not the current <laughs> I self? I ask. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm very open. Again, I'm very open. Like I may be wrong. I may be, you know, that whole theory may be wrong to be honest with you. I mean, I noticed that it works. So I continue to, to use it. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they, oftentimes they might say like, no, 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 this is maybe here's what's something that can happen too, is that there might be something currently going on in their life that's keeping them stuck. Right. Mm. Um, I have to, you know, I have to do this or I have to believe this, or I have to think this because this thing in my life is happening right now. So we just talk, we talk through it, you know, we process through it. Yeah. 
with okay let's go to your younger self when you okay. were growing up okay so i can put the pieces that you were creative at that at a young age correct yeah yeah were you i was always very, like were you also very yeah. like helpful trying to help people and like i i think so i mean it's funny like i again it's you know it's 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 kind of hard to tell kind of like i said with like what does being creative mean what is a creative mind like i'm like i i don't know it just happens um i kind of feel the same way about helping people or being or wanting to explore that i don't think i mentioned to you i may have uh talked to you before about you know i used to be a journalist and actually when i was in fourth grade i made a newspaper oh, <laughs> so wow, okay. yeah so um i've always been interested in people's stories and um kind of what makes them tick, what what's happening like in a family system or in a group system or so a lot of creativity with that. I mean, I think that there's a lot of curiosity about that. I think that as far as being helpful, it's just fun, right? It's like, we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure out what's going on. And, and if, if, you know, if I can be of use to somebody, that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, go into uh, sessions with clients or, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, what, my whole goal is to be productive, right? <laughs> like, like let's let's do something that works. Let's make this work, and and if not, let's do something different. Um, and if that doesn't work for somebody, that's okay too. Yeah, maybe I'd refer them out or do something else. Yeah. So that fourth grade, you said fourth grade, right? When you made the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you sell the newspaper, or was it just for family and friends? We or? did it. Uh, it was for school. Uh, okay. Nobody. This wasn't an assignment. Um, <laughs> My, um, my, my stepdad's family was in the newspaper business. So I had some influence there. Um, it was for school and we, I did, we did accept donations. Um, it was free. <laughs> and I remember somebody gave me like a 50 cent piece and I kept that thing for a really long time. I probably have it around here somewhere. Where is that? Was, was that the first time that you went into like the entrepreneur mindset, I guess, because that's fairly entrepreneurial. Yeah. 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 I've, I've always been, you know, and, and I'm so glad I'm talking to you and you brought up the thing about being an entrepreneur too. And you, and you brought me on as a therapist at first, I was like, I don't know how I fit in, but that's fine. <laughs> you know. But that's the thing, even today, even today on Facebook in a therapist group, somebody said, Oh, business, I hate business. And, but you know, and I'm like, why? I, <laughs> right? I don't understand. Like, I think it's exciting to reach people and, um, uh, and I tell people like, for example, with marketing, sometimes I'll help other therapists with marketing because I love it. And I will say like, to me, marketing is letting my ideal client know that I exist. Mm. Like, how cool is that when somebody who's looking for somebody like me finds me? How much would I like to find somebody, right, who was really ideal for me as a client? So like, I don't see what's like bad or evil about that. Like, and people are like, oh, I don't want to sell myself. It's like, well, don't sell yourself, sell your service, right? <laughs> You're not, that sometimes I think, especially with therapists too, I think because we are like, we kind of are the service that, that we're providing in a way, like our brains and our experiences and everything. And I think that sometimes it just gets a little too intertwined and confusing for people, I guess. Yeah. Well, I love what you said right there. You're, it's basically the opportunity to define your ideal client, right? How long to did find it take, them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long did it take you to understand who your ideal client was? Well, um, I, I remember when I became a therapist, um, I was like, 
who am I? Yeah. Who am I going to serve? I don't know. And then I, I, I was like, Oh wait, no people like me, right? Like <laughs> people who already, I, I, I used to uh, run a bunch of meetup groups and I would uh, take people to like uh, all the, the local museums, you know, Balboa park and things like that. And, and these were always usually, you know, really creative artist type people. Um, I can't necessarily see people as clients who I know personally, you know, um, and yet those are my people. <laughs> so I realized like, okay, like, and actually a friend of mine who's a marketing expert helped me. She said, I said, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do because I can't necessarily market to the people that I know because I can't have them as clients. We call that a dual, dual relationship, having two relationships where, you know, it's like, well, what's your real purpose here? It gets confusing. And she said, well, so then you just market to the people that they know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Yeah, those people. Okay, I get it. So it did, it did like at one point, you know, pretty early in my career, which was good. But I do think it's funny that I just couldn't figure out like who, you know, who I was going to serve. I'm like, well, of course I know that. <laughs> How do you, I mean, being, being in real estate, right? Um, we see, me and my team, we see people in like the highs and lows. Right. Yes. And you start building the relationships and, and mm. for you, you're dealing with people in, in the lows and probably the highest too, when they get those, those wins yeah. and you start building the relationships bonds. Yeah. How do you separate, right? Work and not mm. turning them to friends or going, I really like this person. Oh, Can I not yeah. see you anymore? Can I, I basically a friend? Like, how do you do that? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. And I love that you brought up, you brought up the connection actually between being a, a real estate person and being a therapist. <laughs> yeah. So there is that, there are a lot of similarities, right? Like helping, like you said, like helping people through those low times, celebrating with the, the, the higher experiences, you know? So it, I really did have to make a conscious decision about how I wanted to do this work. It, uh, I don't know if you know, like, um, we have to have 3000 hours of supervised um, experience before we can even sit for the licensing exam. Oh, wow, okay. And that takes at least two years. I think it took me like three or four. For the first year I I was doing coaching and I, I didn't even like for a year, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to do that or not because, because of that, because of the 3000 hours, because of what we're talking about, I'm like, I don't know how I can do that. You know, it's like, you, it's such a unique relationship. Um, mm -hmm. In a way, you, you become really close with people, um, but it's it's not reciprocal. And I and I just I know I'm kind of going around the question a little bit, yeah. but I, I, the first thing I, I do is I make that clear up front. You know, we have informed consent, we call it, which is the paperwork people get, you know, about therapy, and and we talk about it too. You know, it's like, you know, why can't why can't we go to you know a, a client might say like why can't we go get coffee together, right? Like why can't we do that? And I like to tell them that like part of the benefit is that they don't get, they don't have to worry about me, <laughs> right? I take care of that outside of session. Whatever's happening for me, you know, maybe we call this, um, the technical terms are like transference. That's when a client might see you as like a mom figure or something right. like that. And then counter transference is when I start to have some reactions <laughs> in session, right? I take care of that outside of session. That's not the client's responsibility. It's different from having a friend where, the relationship is a little more equal and there is a power differential in therapy. And I think it's important to, and it's important to talk about it. Um, there are things that are good about it. There are things challenging about it. And yeah, one of the challenges is, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I do. I really, 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 really like all of my clients. I'm really kind of getting teary about it. I, I like them. I care about them. 
and in this life, you know, this is the relationship we're going to have. Well, I think the, the the key takeaway right there was you laid the groundwork. You basically mm -hmm. laid the boundaries out for the client yep. before anything gets going. So there's no yep. misconceptions of, of what could happen. Exactly. It's it's super important. Um, and and I think I, I, I the more you're in this work, I think you tend to forget that people don't just know these things, you know, yeah. because we're, we're doing it so much. We're like, well, yeah, of course, you know that we can't be friends. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's important to talk about it. Yeah. Well, let's jump back again. You're talking about the um, singing, vocal, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. What What did that entail? What is? What, oh, what, okay. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, where do I start? Um, when I was a kid, I did a lot of instrumental stuff, so like piano and saxophone and drums and all kinds of things like that. Um, and I didn't really get into singing until I was 30 and lived up in LA. Um, and actually, there was this great community college up there in Torrance, um, where near where I lived. And um, yeah, just started taking uh, singing classes there. Ended up learning like an opera aria and, <laughs> and uh, really loving it. Um, then I moved to San Diego. I was part of the San Diego Women's Chorus for a long time. Um, and then just found different um, uh, opportunities around town. The most fun, the most fun was that I got to be, I was an alternate uh, in the chorus. So maybe six or seven shows for uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame at uh, La Jolla Playhouse. Um, we got to be in the choir and that was absolutely fantastic. And I knew for lots and lots and lots of reasons, I knew that this was a once in a lifetime thing. <laughs> so I <laughs> soaked it in, you know, I knew it because like, I know that singing isn't my, um, my primary vocation, right? So I won't get all these opportunities too often. Um, and also this is kind of interesting too, I guess in productions like that, they don't often have a choir and I'm very happy being in the choir. Like I don't want to act. <laughs> I'm very happy. Just like, okay, Rachel sit and sing or stand and sing. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. That's fine. Uh, so anyway, but other, other types of things like singing William down at the Sparkles Theater with the ballet down there. Um, just every opportunity I can find, um, I just kind of take advantage of and meet cool people and have a good time. Have you ever thought about either making that the the uh, a focus <laughs> or incorporating, I guess, more in your business? Is there, right. I don't know if there's any kind of synergy or anything like that? You know, it's funny, early on when I was singing, for whatever reason, and and maybe this kind of speaks to the, the earlier question or thought that we had about like therapists and business. Sometimes therapists have a weird, because they're too intertwined. Early on with singing, I realized I didn't want to be paid to sing. Oh. It was okay. too close. It's like oh. too close to me. It's too much of, uh, and not in a bad way, but you know, like it's like so much of self-expression. It's kind of spiritual to me. Like it's 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 almost sacred to me. So um, I realized for myself that um, that wouldn't be the appropriate thing for me because it might ruin it. And I didn't want to ruin it, you know? And I'm so glad, again, this is a great conversation because I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's how the therapists feel. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I have this other thing that is sort of like, you know, I love my job and my job is great. And 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 I think I do well at it. And it's fine. I think that my heart, though, is kind of somewhere else. And that's okay. It's okay to have that separation for me. I don't want to have everything into one basket, you know? Yeah. I mean, having mm -hmm. that no, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you, being that you have a, a good circle of other therapists, Right. Yeah. And yeah. you had to do it. You said 3000 hours. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. For, mm -hmm. correct. So you had a lot of, I think, guidance and support, it sounds like, in this kind of sector. 
Yeah. How do therapists um, find what the cost they're going to charge for their clientele is? Oh. I mean, that's something. Is that something that you're kind of taught through classes, word of mouth? Oh, not How at all. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't touch the B word of business in school. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. It's really kind of weird. I had to. Yeah. I had to to self teach myself all that. You know, through workshops and things like that. Um. God, that's such a good question. And it did even come up like in a, in a therapist group on Facebook um, just yesterday, I think. Um, okay, how to approach this. Uh, I often hear therapists say like, well, you should charge what you're worth. Again, I find that confusing. Because <laughs> like I said, I don't want to be paid for what I'm worth. I don't know, that's weird. Like, I don't know. Um, and it's not me, it's the service and there is a difference, right? And that kind of, again, kind of ties into the question about can we be friends or not? It's like, well, you're, you are seeing me, but it's not all of me that you're experiencing, yeah. right? So I'm doing a job right now, you know? So, um, yeah, I, it bothers me when I hear that. And I tell people, no, how much, uh, how much is your service and how much will the market bear? How much um, your, your ideal clientele, like what can they afford? I just to let you know, like I, uh, I don't accept insurance. Another route is for therapists to go through insurance. As far as I understand it, because I, I haven't dealt with it, when you go through insurance, you, you get paid what the insurance company says you're going to get paid. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, they, they have a rate you know, maybe 85, 90 bucks or something like that. You know, there's a range, but um, I, I could speak for myself in my business. I um, have a, a sliding scale. So that means that if you can't pay the, the, the fee, the top fee, um, then we can negotiate and find a fee that works for you. And what I do is I, you know, I have an average in mind that I want to hit um, and then that's fine for me. But it, it brings up like, it brings up so much. <laughs> Speaking of psychology, it brings up so much because a lot of times, like I hear therapists say too, like, oh, you know, I gave this client a reduced fee and then she came in with like her nails all done and she's driving this fancy car. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself and sometimes telling people, you know what, if I knew that I would have that response and I would kind of have that judgment of people, if I gave them a reduced fee, like I wouldn't give a reduced fee. I don't think that's that's good for either person because it's not up to me. It's not up to me to judge how they spend their money, um, in my opinion. So how do they choose? I don't know. It's always <laughs> it's kind of if you're if you're doing private pay, not insurance. It's 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 kind of random and up to you. And somebody told me yesterday, like, oh, this business coach told me to raise my fee, and I kind of wanted to ask. It wasn't my business, but I kind of wanted to ask, like, why? What was the reason? Did they even say? Well, I mean, I've had people on here that have talked about the idea that once they raised their fee, they mm -hmm. had a better level of clientele. And I don't know, there was, it was, it was, it came with the idea that they, the people were associating the higher price that they're paying with basically better value. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of almost a mindset thing. And that's at least kind of where I've heard it, but it's, it's sure. such a tricky situation. I've, I've yes. had about 145 interviews with different business owners and wow. them trying to define yeah. the, the pricing that they charge. And it seems like yeah. it's, it's usually having that network of people talking it with people in your own sector allows yeah. you to kind of self-evaluate your own price. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a website, which I actually recommend for people who are looking for therapists called um, uh, Psychology Today. 
uh, psychologytoday.com. And you can go on and see what people are charging in your area, um, oh. and, you know, and see like, okay, where do I, where do I fit in with this? I, I kind of had the advantage of working at, as an intern for those 3000 hours, one of the jobs I had was to work at a private practice. And they already had kind of a fee structure set up. So it was something I could just easily follow um, when I was out on my own um, and kind of, you know, use that as a template. Um, so yeah, you know, <laughs> the quality of client, that's interesting. That kind of struck my, my uh, uh, curiosity a little bit. I'm like, oh, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, like I do, I do have a conversation with people because I do expect something, well, from all my clients to be totally honest with you, and maybe especially if I'm giving them a discounted fee because I don't want to feel resentful. So yeah. here's what I say. I will tell them, like, I here's what I value. I value your enthusiasm, commitment, willingness to do the work. Because if you're like, if that's true for you, like, I will meet you there and we will hit the road and we'll make it happen. And, and to be honest with you, that's what's fun for me you know, is to have, I like, I have a colleague, I love her so much and she's magical to me because she will take like a teenage boy and have him talking. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Somebody who traditionally is a little more reluctant in therapy. Like I'm not really good at that. What I am good at. And I think my best, the best people I can work with are folks who, you know, of course we all, you know, everybody's at a different pace and that's not really what it's about. It's more about, you know, are you committed to the process and, and, you know, just seeing how it goes. So, well, yeah. Also, too, a, a creative mind. I mean, I mean, I, the way I, I probably look at a creative mind, and I feel that I have a, somewhat of a creative mind, oh, cool. is that you're constantly having ideas pop in there and going, mm -hmm. okay, how can I make this work? Okay, how can I do this? And and then you're like, let me, I'll figure out how to get from point A to point B mm -hmm. later on. But I like this this nugget over here. Like Elon Musk talked about it that he thought, um, and it took uh -huh. him a long time in his life. To, to understand that not everyone thought like the way he thought. Yeah. He sort of understood. He goes, wait, am I alien? What's wrong with me? Like it's, yeah. I know. Well, that reminds me of something that's actually really important that I love to tell uh, my clients. Um, I think this, this relates a bit to what you're talking about. I think that either in our society or whatever, I think we get this idea that with personal growth, it goes like you start at point A and you have this set of problems and then you do the work and then you get to point Z and you don't have those problems anymore and they're magically gone and now you're better and now you're not broken anymore. I don't know. <laughs> These are some of the things that I hear. Okay. I tell my clients how I see personal growth, which is not a straight line, uh, not linear, more like a spiral. So it's a spiral going up. And as you do the work, you kind of go up the side of the spiral and get more skills, get more insight, whatever it is. <laughs> Here's the, the thing though. <laughs> the same issues will keep coming up <laughs> along the spiral, right? So like maybe it's like, oh, I have a challenge with codependent relationships, right? Okay. You're probably gonna notice that for the rest of your life. Here's the difference. You will change. Oh, you okay. will be able to handle it differently. You will be able to see it differently. You will have different expectations. But as you go, so you're changing and you're growing up the spiral, the same things will be coming up because oftentimes, I think it's really important. Oftentimes I will hear clients feel really, and I feel bad for them, you know, because they, they feel disappointed or defeated when they're like, oh, I thought I had, you know, fixed this. <laughs> um, I thought that I would never have to deal with this again. And I'm like, okay, let me explain. <laughs> 
just like me, just like you, just like everybody, you probably will have to deal with this again. You get to decide how you want to deal with it, um, with this particular hand in life that, that you've been dealt. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, you're you're helping them uh, cope with basically the situation or what they're dealing with, and they're able to look at it in a different light. So no, totally, right. totally makes sense. Right. It doesn't mean the thing is going to never happen again. Yeah. It means that. Yeah, you'll be able to handle it better next time and just kind of keep growing and growing and growing is how kind of how I see it. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's karma. I don't know if it's just family patterns. I don't know why we tend to, as people, kind of have the same issues come up over and over. But, yeah. Well, I, and I don't know your your take on the person, but uh, Dr. Joe Dispensia. I mean, I've heard mm -hmm. some of his, his conversations. He was, a, um, a, I think, a chiropractor, but then he became like a, like a therapist or a mind, mindset coach or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But he talked about it that by the age of 35, we're a computer program. And you're oh, basically, wow. when you basically do one thing, you start, those pieces connect to something that you did as a child. It's like, why are you crying right now? Oh, because my dad did this yes. when I was a kid, right? So you're almost changing yes, the, yes. the programming yes. of the person. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word reprogramming. Um, but <laughs> I would do say reprocessing. Right? Yeah, reprocessing. You, you just—you probably didn't even realize it. You—you you pretty much just exactly explained what EMDR is all about. Oh, okay, perfect. Yes, because when a trauma happens, we said like when you're eight years old or whatever. When a trauma yeah. happens, it can get stuck in your brain, and and it's almost like when you think of it, it's almost like you can see, hear, feel, taste, touch exactly it's almost like it's happening right now yeah that's what makes trauma problematic right and so when we reprocess it which um do you want me to talk about that a little bit Was yeah, that please, 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 okay yeah, okay great so okay um so just like i said like you know trauma gets stuck in the brain there's different ways of thinking about this i i could just kind of like the file cabinet idea that with with a normal regular everyday memory like oh i had a sandwich for lunch you know the, the brain's like all right we'll stick that into you know long-term storage here i don't really need to worry about that like it's fine when a trauma happens which is something kind of you know that's like out of the ordinary and scary or there's a lot of emotion attached or whatever it can get stuck so like there's this file just sort of floating around and like nobody can find it and like but it's causing havoc like people that are not supposed to know that information i don't know i don't know like, the brain but it's, it does kind of remind me of that um that movie inside out did you ever see that cartoon yeah that that. yeah yeah sort of like the, the balls of the memories i like that image you know and so what we actually do with emdr is i'll ask that question you know zero to ten how disturbing is it i might ask some other questions about the memory and then we use eye movements back and forth or tapping back and forth. You know, you can tap on your legs or your arms or sometimes sounds back and forth. There's something about that bilateral stimulation that helps the brain process the memory. The assumption, and nobody knows how this works, by the way, they don't know why, they just know that it works because we know nothing about the brain. <laughs> Generally speak, I mean, you know, in a, big, in a bigger picture, there's a lot we don't know. Um, they think that, when we're sleeping, maybe with when we're in REM sleep, rapid eye movement, that might be what the brain is doing, is mm. processing memories. Yeah. And so it stimulates that. Another theory is that when you stimulate the working memory and the long-term memory at the same time, the disturbance of the long-term memory goes down. It's almost like the working memory, the, the right now in-person memory wins and the disturbance goes down. You still remember the past event, 
It's just that the disturbance is less and you can talk about it. You can have emotions about it, right? Like, gosh, I feel sad about that thing that happened when I was eight, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cause me to have some sort of reaction in my body. It doesn't cause me to have negative thoughts about myself. It doesn't cause me to have this emotional reaction that's over the top uh, from just, you know, kind of what we'd consider like a, a normal, healthy response to something. Yeah. So With, I know it's a lot, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love it. So, cool. okay. Tech, technology has jumped at an exponential rate, right? Mm -hmm. Over the last you know, five years, 10 years, a computer, what is it, like the in the 80s, was right. whatever. Now, understanding the human brain, how mm -hmm. much has that jumped over the last five, 10, 15 years? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's the answer. It's not a great answer. But yeah, like, like I'm not sure because I got, you know, it's interesting. What pops in my mind when you say that is like, I think there's a lot of not, not literally political things, but sort of like, like, oh my gosh, like if you look at, are you familiar with the, 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 the term, the DSM, the, it's a diagnostic statistical manual. So this is, there's a book that um, has a list of all the uh, uh, diagnoses. So like bipolar depression, um, ADHD, like, like in this book. And I don't really use it that much to be honest with you. I try not to diagnose, uh, which is, you know, something we also have the option. It's a lot used in uh, insurance um, because you have to prove why your insurance is paying for you to go to therapy. Another reason why I don't use insurance. Um, and in, in this manual, it's like some people have so many thoughts and opinions about this manual and this whole idea of diagnosing and, and, I, I don't know. Like uh, now I'm really curious. Like I need to, to really think about this some more because it's like, I, I don't know, you know, like is a person bipolar or are, are there societal factors happening? Do we know? I don't know. So it's, it's, it's really confusing. Um, it's really kind of, we're just kind of, I kind of feel like right now we're just sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall and like, hoping that it works and oftentimes it does like i i as a practitioner again try to find things that work generally yeah. speaking <laughs> you know i like that <laughs> and i like when they work fast which emdr is also uh tends to be faster than talk therapy um but generally speaking i don't know that we know a lot and even then it's like so debated and and discussed still and yeah i know it's not a great answer but no um, no i mean i, I love yeah. it I, I mean i had a um a physical therapist on here and something that blew blew my mind. And I guess a lot of physical therapists in the US, he was from, I think, Brazil, but mm -hmm. they would say that to um, before you do a workout is to active stretch. Okay. Mm -hmm. And right. then, but there was a mindset locally, right? That you didn't want, or before, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that you yeah. didn't want to do it kind of active stretching. You wanted to mm -hmm. actually do stagnant stretching. Yeah. Right. And so that changed over time. But if you've been teaching everyone to do stagnant stretching, you could have put yep. people hurting them. So, yep. I mean, with with in in your field, yep. understanding how the, the, the mind works, is there stuff that you're constantly learning where you go, oh, my gosh, I've been teaching it this yeah. way. I need to start veering a little bit now this direction. I mean, yes. is that been kind of popping up? Yes. And that's something, too, that I try to be extremely mindful of with myself, because I see a lot of therapists. Um, 
a lot. I don't know, some. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of getting into their little silos and never really, you know, even though we're required to do uh, continuing education, it's almost like they just have their mindset and they do it this way. But again, we're talking about being creative, right? So I, I um, like to find other things that are more effective. If there's something that I think is more effective than EMDR, I will probably end up doing that, right? That's, that's fine. Um, we have to evolve. There is, I did learn a technique recently called, called flash um, uh, that we use with EMDR. And it's really cool because again, for some reason, when you're, okay, this is gonna be wild, but when you're tapping and thinking about something that you like, and then I tell you to blink three times and you tell me about the thing you like and you keep tacking, tapping and then maybe I tell you to blink three times again. And then I ask you, we do that a few times. And then I ask you how much, you know, how disturbing the memory is. The disturbance will usually go down of the memory. We're not even thinking about the memory. We're not even talking about the memory. We're talking about something completely different. And yet that's how the brain works and it's magical and it's crazy. And I don't even know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. <I've> <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got called out the, I got called out the other day that I, I, I didn't realize it, but I'll tap my feet when I um, ah. eat chips. Because <laughs> I made that. <laughs> so I don't know if that's oof, some problem. Um, I love it. There's something about even walking can actually help you process things. There's something about that back and forth, left, right parts of the brain. I don't know. What's, mm -hmm. um, and we've kind of talked about pricing. We talked about mm. uh I mean, building your business. Has there been any yeah. kind of other struggles in, in building your business and mm -hmm. growing your business that you've kind of had to go, go through? Such a good question. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I have an interesting answer to this because it was a big surprise to me. So I told you that I love marketing and I love, like, I love the hustle and I love, you know, um, growing the business and growing, growing, here we go. Okay. Growing. Well, I, <laughs> I grew my business to the point where it was full and then I was like, oh, what do I do now, <laughs> right? Now, again, the business part is separate from the therapy part. So the therapy part was fine. Like yeah. I'm, I'm totally fine doing the work. That's not an issue. I got so much though out of the business part and, and I felt sort of sad when um, it just kind of was running itself. <laughs> you know, I like being hands-on with it and that was hard and you know what? It was really hard finding anybody to talk to about it, especially other therapists. And I understand this because I felt the same way. It's like, oh, wow, like she's full in her practice. Like, good for her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I felt that way before, you know, when I hear people whine about, you know, like. <laughs> have you thought about so expanding? Many clients. What's that? Have you, have you thought, is there any way to like expand your practice or have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, there are certain things that people do, it's such a good question. I mean, and I, I am kind of, yeah, there's certain things people do, including like hiring other therapists. I don't necessarily want to do that because that would be too much business for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I like the yeah. nice balance of having my own business and doing therapy work. I don't necessarily want to manage other people or whatever. Um, I, I've started, I've actually started doing something that's kind of fun, which I've been making videos um, on my uh, YouTube channel. I don't know, I can't remember if I sent you that link, but I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, okay about, and it's fun because a friend of mine just challenged therapists that she knew. She's like, hey, why don't you all make make videos about um, what therapy is? Kind of like we're talking about, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that sounds fun. So I've started doing a little video uh, series on that. I do want to find ways to reach more people and, you know, reach out to people. And, and um, 
I've thought about, you know, <laughs> I have a creative writing degree and of course I don't want to write a book. <laughs> I've thought about it, but I'm like, oh God. <laughs> How do you, when you're doing the videos, cause I've talked to yeah. some attorneys and they have to be very careful of what they say because mm -hmm. it, then people can take it as like, well, I was told by Rachel, this, this, yeah. this. how do you, um, how do you separate that or give enough information or is it just yeah. disclaimers or you can, you can put disclaimers. I haven't, to be honest with this little series, I probably will add some disclaimers. I haven't yet because I'm not really talking about like, like life things. I'm more talking about like, Oh, why, you know, why is my therapist writing notes? Like, what's that about? So I, I'm more talking about like my role um, and then the actual process of therapy more than, okay, if you're having this relationship issue, you need to like, I don't even know if I want to do videos like that because yeah. the, at least the way that I work, like, I feel like, again, it's so personal. It's so individual. Um, and, and again, that's kind of where the creativity comes in. It's so creative that I can't, I don't really know what is best for people like generally speaking i know it's best yeah. for people individually <laughs> yeah well i don't know what's best for people but <laughs> they know i just help well, them find it if, if someone's um been listening right now and they kind of mm -hmm. love i guess your way of looking at the world and i i know you're slammed with your your clientele mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. but if they want to basically follow yeah. your videos follow what you're putting out there what's the best platform or best way to do that sure um they can find me on facebook um I think it's uh, Rachel Moore, LMFT. That's That stands for Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Um, Rachel Moore, LMFT. They can go to my website, which is rachelmoorecounseling.com. Um, and also um, on my website, you'll see there's a there's a, a note about having a free 15 minute phone consultation. I will I will talk to, to anybody um, if I can help them. Um, so even though my practice is, is full right now, I may not be able to take them on as a client. I love to help people find therapists because it's really hard. It's harder than it should be uh, to find therapists who are appropriate fit, to find therapists who um, have uh, fees that work for people, have availability, things like that. So I'm happy to, to chat. Yeah. And then one last question. We'll finish mm -hmm. it off with, with this question. Okay. If you could talk back to your fourth grade self, the one that was mm -hmm. two in the papers, is there any kind of advice you would give that, that kid? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. Just keep going. Keep doing it because you're going to have a fun 14 year career as a journalist and uh, then you're going to be a therapist. And and remember that if you're not if your work isn't fun, uh, like don't don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do work that's fun. And that's that's that. Then then you'll win. And that's the main goal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, thank you, Rachel, for being on here. I, I love this. Oh, I got welcome. some great stuff. I um and anyone listening i hope that you got some great nuggets from rachel follow her her channel youtube website we have all that stuff in the show notes um but yeah thank you for for being on here again rachel and please everyone subscribe share and and follow rachel great thanks so much thanks for making my first live really easy <laughs> thank you for listening to the road to growth success of an entrepreneur please like subscribe and stay connected visit www.theenriquezgroup.com yeah i created a website hope to see you again next week the enriquez group signing off